SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Hello and welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, joining me as always are Stefan Chin. Hello. How you doing? Okay, I'm doing good. What's your tagline, Stefan? Uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner. We've also got Sam Schultz here joining us. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, Good. <laughs> Very tired from work brain. What's your tagline today? It was going to be my brain, but I already said brain. So now my ears are ringing. That's my that's my thing. Sari <laughs> Riley is here too. Yep. Uh, science communicator and writer. How are you doing, Sari? Uh, I'm okay. Also tired. Sari, what's your tagline? My dinosaur son. Oh. oh. Well. <laughs> Take care of him. I'm Hank Green. How have I been doing? Fine. I just had a really big sandwich. So we'll see how that goes. It smells great in here. And my tagline, I guess, is the bank is open. So here's the situation. Every week on SciShow Tangents, we'd get together to try to amaze one up and delight each other with science facts. And we're playing for glory and also for Hank Bucks. They don't do anything useful except more glory. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but uh, we will probably go on tangents because that's the name of the podcast. So if the rest of the team deems the tangent unworthy, 
will force you to give up one of your Hank bucks. Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with a traditional science poem from Sarah Riley. Is it about dinosaur babies? It's not. It's okay. about my favorite insect behavior of all time. Honeybees seem sweet as they buzz and forage, and in the cold dark of winter, with their honey storage, they cluster together and hug in the night to stay warm and toasty and not die from frostbite. But let me turn your attention to the honeybees in Japan, who fight giant monsters, well, hornets that can, kill 40 a minute and are too tough for stings. But just wait, these bees have a trick up their wings. They swarm their foe and vibrate so fast you can hardly tell it's the bees being harassed. Like an oven, they roast it at 47 degrees, while they themselves are completely at ease. So these bee balls are ballin'. They've got hornets trapped. Thanks, nature. And please, more weird ways to adapt. Oh, God. I mean, the whole podcast should just be that. (laughs) (laughs) That was a hell of a poem. That was a hell of a poem. Two Hank Bucks. I agree. I think that was... I got goosebumps. It had a lot of rhymes in it. Yeah, good weird ones. (laughs) Thanks. So bees kill hornets by cooking them. Yeah, Japanese honeybees. They, like, form a bee ball with all their friends around a giant hornet and then just vibrate. And they, they just like burn their ATP and it creates heat. Yep. And it creates a lot of heat. And honeybees die at like 47.8 degrees mm. and hornets die at like 47.2 oh, degrees. So they get wow. into a very oh, narrow threshold wow. of hot enough to kill the hornet, but not enough hot enough to kill the bee. It's like a fever. Yeah. Except multi-organism. Mm-hmm. So the topic this week is bees. And there's so many interesting things about bees. Yeah. I, I already knew a number of good bee facts. And then as soon as it was like, oh, it's a tangents topic, I read a bunch of stuff. And what? <laughs> bees are great. Sari, what's a bee? <laughs> <laughs> um, they're a flying insect. They're in the order Hymenoptera. So that's with your wasps, your ants. Sawflies? I don't know what those are, but that was in the list, too. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody out there is excited about the sawfly mention. Yeah, (laughs) there's some entomologists out there like, yes. And all the sawflies (laughs) listening, too. So they're known, best known for their role in, like, pollination. Uh, We think of honeybees as, like, the iconic bee species, Mm -hmm. the ones that make honey and build hives and are social and have a whole social order. But there are a bunch of different types of bees. There are stingless bees. There are solitary bees. So bees that don't have hives. Bees that don't have hives or just like dig holes in the ground or do other things. But like they don't have like friends in their holes. Yeah. The lonely bee. They have hermits. babies in their holes though. Have the, sometimes they put their babies in there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are most bees lone bees or are most bees I think hive most species bees. of bees are lone bees. Okay. Bumblebee a hive bee or bumblebee a lone bee? Seems like it'd be hard to squeeze a lot of them into a hive, but... All I know about bees is from Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Bumblebees are also social. I just looked it up on the internet. There are lots of bees that don't fit my, like, traditional idea of what a bee is because they don't make beeswax and they don't make honey and they don't live in hives, but they are still bees. They still do pollination. They're still awesome, and I still want to give them high fives. Also, Mm -hmm. most of those bees, because they don't have the hive to protect, don't sting very much, and some of them Mm -hmm. don't sting at all. It also makes sense because bees evolved from wasps, which I didn't know before today, Uh, but they evolved from a family of wasps, and wasps are predatory hunters, so they go out and attack other things, would drag prey back to their holes in the ground nests. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they started dragging back pollen at some point because that's also a really good source of protein. And then eventually adaptations happened and they evolved into an organism that could survive off of just pollen instead of protein from other organisms. And they got Mm. cuter too. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, they a, got fluffier. To, and like, less terrible. And then they started uh, making like good, good juice for us to eat. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Honey juice, juice 
<laughs> just put in a straw, a big one, like a boba tea straw. Really suck. <laughs> what I take away from this is that I have previously believed, probably incorrectly, that wasps don't need to exist and we should just get rid of them because boo. But we needed them for bees to happen. But now that bees have happened, we can get rid of them, right? <laughs> Uh, my guess is no. I did no wasp breeding for this podcast. But they have to pollinate. If stingless bees and stuff, then they also do work and keep pests down. Like, they eat something. And I'm sure that those things... Like my hamburger sometimes. (laughs) Some of those things probably also eat us or spread disease. And so if the wasps are eating them, that's a good thing. Was it mosquitoes? We can get rid of all mosquitoes? I mean, I think so. Okay. The frogs think so? Probably, Probably the frogs would suffer a bit. That yeah. was my first SciShow video that I ever wrote. Really? Was the mosquitoes. Where'd they come can down we, on mosquitoes? Can we kill all the mosquitoes? Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> you... We can kill, like, the disease-causing ones. Yeah, it turns um, out there's mm. lots of mosquitoes that don't cause malaria. Oh. Mm-hmm. And those ones, oh they God. still might suck your blood, but, like, they're not going to kill you. Yeah. Okay. And they're also in different regions of the world, too. So there's, like, big swarms of mosquitoes around the Arctic, and those are really helpful for pollination what? up there. And food and things like that. And so if we wipe out the malaria-causing ones, then there are still lots of mosquitoes in the world, but they just won't bother us as much, huh. maybe. So now, I believe, I'm ready to go on to... Where one of our panelists has prepared three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of them is true. The rest of us have to decide which one we think is the real fact. And if we get it wrong, Stefan will get the Hank Buck. If we get it right, we will. This week, Stefan has got those facts for us. So this is a truth or fail about ways that bees are like humans. Okay. Fact number one, mm-hmm. most bees are right-handed. Fact number two, bees can do simple addition. Fact number three Bees can differentiate between human faces. Ah, shoot. I don't know anything about any of these. My theory with the bee left hand or handedness mm-hmm. is like a Zoolander situation where they can't turn one direction, you know? Zoolander only turns one direction. He can't turn left. Okay. And then in his car the, or just like walking around? When he the does runway. the runway walk. Oh. And then at the end of the movie, he has to turn left. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. You're spoil. Oh, a huge spoiler. It's his big growth moment, Hank. Have you ever never watched Zoolander? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So the handedness, does that go for all? Hands on one side. So you got three legs, and at the end of each leg is, let's just call it a hand. I don't know. What are they using their hands for? Yeah, do they manipulate anything or do they have to like move their babies? Do they somehow, play baseball? Maybe, or? Do they make little like balls for play their baby. babies and things like that? Like they bomb it, they bomb out their food and then <laughs> yeah. shape it, and maybe sure, they like, shape that it more. Sure, sounds like it might happen their... with their front hand. Seems like a double handed situation. To me, but then that's they're like, true. Then they push it out their baby uh, with one of the hands. Okay, well, the math one, how about that? I read something about how, and I didn't, I only read the headline in my research, that bees can understand the concept of zero. Yes, I read that also. No, I don't know what it means. Because mm-hmm. I don't, like, now that we've said it out loud, I'm not sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> I And I don't know if it has any impact on addition. Right. But I feel like if you like understand the concept of a complicated number like zero... Then probably you understand the concept of like one thing and another one thing being two things. I can't even imagine like what circumstance bees would need to do that because they can like. I also count. can't understand the circumstance in which bees would need to know what a zero is. But also apparently, that, yeah. <laughs> scientists, at least in the headline form, have figured that out. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Should have read that article, probably. <laughs> what was the last one? We can differentiate <sighs> between human faces. Oh, because that sounds like it's super useful for a bee. Well, if you have like... Is that Karen? Yeah. <laughs> Is that Karen, my friend, who's going to, like, yeah. I don't know, well, do something know nice to my hive? the bee in the bee movie can. Yes, he loves that woman. between different faces, because he does fall in love with a woman. Yeah, and he does knows he, what her mean boyfriend he, looks like. Does he get it in? I think he Do they have a does. child? <laughs> I don't think they have a child, but I do believe they get married at the end, possibly. <laughs> so, in the end, uh, at least we all know that Donkey fucked the dragon. I mean, that's a sure. definite. There is evidence of that happening. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the, the 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 math one. Math. Yeah. Okay. Sam's going math. I'm gonna go handedness because I don't understand what that means, and so I'm gonna go. Now that everybody's votes are set, I'm going to go with facial recognition because it's the true fact. And I know that one. Ooh, Ooh, sneaker. Sorry. You are correct. (laughs) Ah, garbage. (laughs) You distracted us with B-movie trivia. Yeah. So we couldn't even talk about it. But I was just thinking about bees having sex with humans and then (laughs) garbage. Okay, so with the handedness, I think the headline is misleading. They basically had bees fly down a long tunnel, and in the middle, there was an obstacle that had two holes in it, one on the left, one on the right, and the bee had to choose which way to go. And if one of the holes was bigger, it chose that way, usually. But if they were the same size, a quarter of the bees had a very strong preference to go left, a quarter of the bees had a very strong preference to go right, Mm. and half of the bees had no preference. Mm. So Mm. they call that handedness, but it's just sort of they prefer going in one direction over the other. So for the addition one, that one I just made up. Okay. For the concept of zero thing, they trained bees to choose between two images that had different amounts of an object. Mm-hmm. And they were training them to choose the picture that had less of the object. And then they kept reducing the number until they were comparing a picture of the object to a picture of no object. And the bees chose no object oh, as a less thing. I so, see that there is there is something less than one. Yes. Hmm. And that apparently demonstrates a stage three understanding of the concept of zero, which hmm. means that you understand that zero can have a numeric value and belongs at the low end of the positive number line. How hmm. many stages to There's understanding four. zero? Oh, oh, they don't have that last one. Mm-mm. No. Oh. But I presumably do. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> don't know your education level, but... Uh, <laughs> This is the first time that that high of a level of number processing has been seen in insects, but there was no mention of like addition, subtraction, those kinds of things. And then for the the real one, differentiating between faces, they paired bowls of water with various images. Some were faces and some weren't. And the face bowls had sugary water. Mm. So training them to like go after those. And after several hours, they were choosing correctly 75% of the time. But then additionally, they have... Um, there's a couple tests that they can use to show how humans process faces, um, basically by like taking parts of faces and like coagulating it okay. in our minds to like be a recognizable person. And so using similar tests with the bees, they found that the bees could distinguish between different people's faces. They don't think they could recognize the same person if they like got a haircut and grew a beard and put mm. on sunglasses. It's just like that specific photograph of that person. How well can corvids recognize people? Like, how do how does this bee facial recognition compare to crows? That I don't know. I, I don't think know. The crows can recognize people really efficiently. Like, and the same person over and over again. Mm-hmm. They're very. At least, I don't know if that's like face. It could be a combination of stuff. That's true. As different animals definitely like look to different body 
properties and proportions to do identification. We are very face specific, but mm-hmm. I feel really skeptical about both of those things because I feel like bees probably are really good at recognizing patterns or something like that. Sure. So they're just like that is a flower, but it's my face. Right. Just looking at it doesn't even know that it's a face. Right. Right. So there's some level like a crow knows. That's a person. Mm. I hate that person. <laughs> you would be like, that face flower tastes good. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that that's a new that's an interesting new design that flowers have chosen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess that means that I got a Hank Buck and mm-hmm. Stefan got two Hank Bucks. Oh yeah, they feel oh, yeah. great. Mm. Ooh, they feel good. They feel yeah. great. <laughs> got one in each hand, and I'm shaking them up. Yeah, that's bet. That's better than the numerical understanding of zero that Sam has. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, our Wait, ads, though. What? <laughs> I don't even get it. <laughs> Sideshow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as a <laughs> The internet science man was opening an online store, something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years. I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow. I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the, 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 the part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like, you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, <laughs> yeah. Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, because it's a, you know, I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. All right, we're back. Here are Hank Buck totals. Sari has two. I have one. Sam has a zero. And Stefan has two. So it's time for the fact off. Two panelists have brought science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow their minds. The people receiving the presentations each have a Hank Buck to award to the fact that they like the most. But if they don't like either of the facts, they can just throw them into the dinosaur poop pit. So to determine (laughs) who goes first, let's say the person who has the best bee sting story uh i have a 
good, boring one. Okay. I was sitting in class and I was like, oh, my head's itchy. And I scratched my head and a bee stung my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's it. That's good. I I don't know that I, now that I've said it, I don't feel like I don't have any good bee stings. Have you ever been stung by a bee? Yeah. Okay. I've just felt like walking around in clover. I one time stepped on a yellow jacket nest and it went really badly for me. How many mm. did you get stung by? Uh, like three. Okay. But it's, they hurt, man. Yeah. And then you're having a panic at the summer camp. Yellow jacket story not admissible. Yeah, no, I agree. That's not a real B story. I I win. So I guess I mean I win. I mean I get to go first. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's what you want. I don't, but I will do it anyway. Okay. Digger bees are a variety of ground-dwelling solitary bee. Solitary bees don't live by the same rules as hive-based bees. Uh, they live in holes. <laughs> and leading up to mating season, the females fill these holes with food that then they will eventually lay their eggs in to, to feed their babies. So they they put the food in the holes and then they go off and emit pheromones to find a mate. But there is a species of blister beetle that has figured out a way to hack this whole system. So clusters of larvae will hatch from eggs and then like hang out together and emit chemicals that smell or that mimic the pheromones of female digger bees. Then the male bees will come and they'll be like, hey, sexy lady bee. But then they'll be like, oh no, just a bunch of weird babies. And and then the larva will crawl all over the bee, and then the bee flies away. And if it mates, then the larva will crawl onto the lady bee while oh. they're mating. Mm-hmm. Then the lady bee flies back to the nest and lays the eggs, but the larva crawl off of her and sneak into her nest while she's laying her eggs. Then they eat all the food and all the babies during the winter, and then in the spring they emerge as beetles. Oh, man, it's like rude. Hookus, (laughs) but bees. It is very rude. And they found out that in different parts of the country, these larvae smell different depending on the kind of bees that there are in the place where they live. I think that evolutionary biology is wonderful and amazing (laughs) and scary. Jerks. Yeah, and jerks. (laughs) It's weird to have value judgments on, on these things because, of course, like, they don't know that they're being jerks. Yeah. They don't have values. But it's pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> but like, oh man, you're just like taking advantage of this poor mom. How do the larvae hang on? Yeah, Are there's really good sticky? pictures of it. I don't know how they hang. I think that they're got little claws. So the pictures basically look, look like the bee has a shirt on made of <gasps> larva. Oh man, that's, <laughs> that's, why you, that's why you can't be so fuzzy. And they look really sad <laughs> that this they have babies weird. all over them. I guess if you had larva on you as a bee, you couldn't really do anything about it. They can probably feel them just like you could feel the bee on your head, maybe? Yeah, yeah they're I like, oh, my head itches. This is <laughs> like, oh, I'm covered in blister beetle larva. I guess I will just sacrifice this crop of children to them. Can mm-hmm. a bee look at their own body? Probably not, right? So. I don't think they How far, have. They probably have really good peripheral vision, I would guess. They look like they got a big round thing, but mm-hmm. still, that's the back of their body. They think they're all hiding. They're like, don't let them see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you're right. All they can do is be like, oh, well, yeah. I guess I'll go about my business. Well, that's like value judgments, too. I think a lady bee would look at this and be like, what the fuck is going yeah, on with you? You've got so. a bad shirt on. Please <laughs> <laughs> stay away from my yeah. body and my babies. But yeah. bees don't have that sort of mm-hmm. they don't adaptation know. they don't they like, can't look at the internet and see oh there's some kind of weird bug that crawls on me if yeah. I do this thing it's a, it's a, that is a very strange sexually transmitted disease yeah. uh, I guess you could call it that not really a I disease guess. sexually well, transmitted larva well it's definitely a disease because it interferes with your normal biological processes of 
of rep- reproduction. <sighs> What's a disease, Sari? I mean, like, is lice a disease? I feel like, for me, disease is more microscopic. Like, disease interferes with your cellular processes in some level. But you can have, like, an infestation of lice. You can be infected with a tapeworm. But then if it causes a disease, then that disease is something, like, it's a separate step of the process. It's going to be so easy to Google, Google? disease and prove you wrong. <laughs> Disease, a disorder of structure or function in a human, animal, or plant. You're right. (laughs) Heck yes. Yeah. Yeah. These these lice are just like Craigslist murderers. (laughs) (laughs) They are. They're like, did you want to? Did you want a lady bee? I'm over here, and they're like, I got catfished. (laughs) I got catfished by a blister beetle, and now I'm covered in their babies. Can I go with my fact now? Yeah. yeah. No right. one's stopping you but yourself. <laughs> here's, here's my fact. Nectar is just water with sugar and some other stuff in it. That is also what everything we turn into alcoholic beverages is. Mm. So yes, nectar can ferment and become alcoholic. And honeybees don't mind drinking it. In fact, they like it. And once they begin lapping up fermented nectar, they get a taste for it. And yes, they get drunk. And sometimes they get so drunk that they are incapacitated and can't make it back to the nest. They fall off of flowers, they run into trees, they just get lost. (laughs) But if they manage to get back to the hive, the guard bees can tell that they've gotten drunk (laughs) and they will fight them and shove them and generally prevent them from coming into the hive until they get sober. Also, bees will drink 100% ethanol. They found it once. And they don't die? Yeah, no, they they're like huh. cool. I'm like they get drunk. The yeah, <laughs> they're party machines. They're party machines, and they got bouncers at the hive to yeah. prevent them from coming home drunk. <laughs> Can they breathalyze the bees, or do they know how drunk they get? I, they don't know how drunk they get. I don't know that they've done any like blood alcohol tests yeah. on the bees. Bees don't have blood the same right. way we do. Did I miss how they know if the bees are drunk? The bouncers. They just. Oh, how the bouncers know they're drunk, I don't know. Okay. Um, It might be pheromone, like smell, you smell drunk. So I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's smell or if they can just tell by the The flapping. But apparently if they come in and they deliver enough alcoholic nectar, it can be a problem for the the whole hive. Mm -hmm. Those were both great facts. I'm going to go ahead and say. Bees got a tough life, kind of. They have friends who beat them up and little bugs that will crawl on them. Yeah. We're killing all of them. Maybe. No, nah, just the honeybees. Oh, well, the important ones. <laughs> it's, not, it's pretty unclear. It's hard to do a good bee census. Yeah. Is it because they're small? <laughs> <laughs> they're really hard to track down. I got them to fill out the survey. Yeah. Oh, you were, jo- you were joking. No, I was serious. Oh, okay. Now, it became a joke. But yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to keep track of how many bees there are. Sometimes you look at me for so long that I don't know if I'm supposed to know what you're talking about or not. <laughs> Large numbers of things are hard to estimate in the animal kingdom. Large numbers of insects, even small fish, because the most you can do is like collect a sample in an area in a time and then mm. multiply that to try and estimate the entire right. population. The densities vary wildly so and change a lot from year to year. Natural variance is totally a thing that happens. And mm. so, yeah, it's just hard. Okay, I'm going to give it to drunk bees. Oh! I'm sorry, Sam. What I just like the drink <laughs> No, I'm going to give it to Sam. Yay, I have one point. We're all tied we except all you. Good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. And now it's time for Ask the Science Couch, where we have listener questions. Uh, get answered by our couch of finely honed scientific minds. Sam, do you have a question for us? Yes. Allison Bowers asks, 
How are bees doing? Is glyphosate a problem or not? What is glyphosate? It is an herbicide, mm-hmm. and it is glyphosate, I think, is the thing. It's Roundup. Mm-hmm. And then, like, we use a lot of Roundup in America mm-hmm. because we have genetically engineered a lot of plants mm-hmm. to uh, uh, be resistant to it. So right. our crop plants are resistant to it, so you don't have to selectively spray it. You can just go vroom over the whole thing, and the plant that has the resistance in it will not get killed, mm-hmm. and all the other plants that you don't want will. Uh, what I found is that glyphosate interferes with honeybee digestion, oh, we wow. think. So the way that glyphosate works, it interferes with a particular enzyme in plants and some microorganisms that's in their metabolic pathways. So the way it kills plants is it like breaks the metabolism pathway so they can't synthesize the compounds that they need, and then the plants essentially starve. Mm-hmm. And so if it ends up in bee stomachs, then that happens to the gut microbes that are digesting things in there. And so then the gut microbes die and then the bees get sick. Can that happen to us? I actually didn't look into this too much, but I think there's some toxicity that can happen if humans eat it, maybe because of a similar reason, because we have a bunch of different bacteria. But we don't use this metabolic pathway to synthesize compounds. And so just getting in contact with glyphosate won't affect how our cells metabolize things. How are the bees, Sari? They're doing all right. They're not great. (laughs) It's unclear. It's unclear. I had this question like a couple months ago. It's just like, how are the bees doing? Because you heard a lot about the bees and then all of a sudden they were out of the news. Yeah. Um, Just in your free time you had this question? Yeah. I was thinking. did a SciShow on it. Yeah, oh, and yeah. that's why, because I had the question. <laughs> <laughs> Most SciShows are just Sari wondering things. <laughs> so around 2006, 2007, that's when the big colony collapse disorder scare mm. happened, where beekeepers re- began to report high losses of like between 30 to 90% of their honey beehives. And it was a very specific kind of loss, too, where the queen and the brood, so like the larva, remained. They had food. And all of the worker bees pretty much were gone. So, like, they disappeared. Mm-hmm. They weren't dead outside the hive, which would have indicated some sort of, like, poison or immediate disease. They just had disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had no idea why. And we still don't really have a good idea why. We think it might be some combination of nutrition, pesticide exposure, and maybe some sort of virus or parasite that infects the bees because when bees are sick, they generally fly away from their hive so it's not to infect the rest of their Mm -hmm. social colony. And so colony collapse disorder has gone down. It only accounts for about 20% of the hives lost in the first quarter of 2018. So that's really good compared to like 90% of mysterious disappearances. Mm. But also we don't know why it's better now either probably. Yes. And so we don't, we're not prepared if it happens again. Mm -hmm. And there are still other problems like pesticides are still there. Mm. Viruses still exist. Have we reduced our use of pesticides significantly? Not in the U.S. really. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a problem because this is all honeybee focused too. This is, which is an important type of bee. Mm -hmm. It helps pollinate a lot of our commercial crops, and we know how to work with them, and a lot of beekeepers keep honeybees. Yeah, and and that makes it easier to study, because then, mm -hmm. like, you know how many hives there are. You Like, the beekeepers get upset and scared when they're having colony collapses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas wild bees... Yeah, and we're, that's the problem is there are some researchers now in the last couple of years looking into the interactions between honeybees and wild bees, and we think that honeybee populations are impacting wild bees. Like a lot uh. of wild bee species are going extinct or 
uh, dying out, and we don't know exactly why, whether it's habitat destruction or competition from honeybees Mm -hmm. that are foraging for pollen. As there's this decline in non-honeybee bee species like wild bees, the rise in honeybee population isn't enough to counteract it. Mm. And so we're losing a bunch of natural pollinators, and we're not studying it enough because we're so worried about honeybees. Right. Um, And so there's a bunch of bee people being like, hey, hey, those guys over there, the ground bees, the ones in the holes, uh, pay attention (laughs) to them. (laughs) Don't forget about the whole bees. It's so strange to me to think that like all those bees just got a hole somewhere. Because it's one thing when you're like, there's a lot of bees around, but they all go back to the same house where they all live together. (laughs) When there's a bunch of wild bees, it's like they each have their own hole somewhere. (laughs) Like I just feel like poke poke the ground anywhere in the world and be like, there's a bee. There might be a bee in there. Hey, where the heck do all the squirrels live? (laughs) (laughs) It seems like there's so many squirrels. They live in the trees. And then in the winter when all the leaves fall off, you don't see lots of squirrel houses everywhere. Not enough to account for all the squirrels. (laughs) (laughs) Can we so. duck Sam a Hank book? <laughs> yes. Where are all the squirrels? Super fair I want. X-ray vision. Just so I can see where all the animals are hiding. Actually, yeah. no. In all no. the holes. No. In all I the want, trees. Yeah. In all no. the ground. I, no. It's not X-ray vision. It just highlights every living thing. <laughs> yeah. oh, but then, then you look at me and you're like. <laughs> yeah, every single human. Gross. I could see tapeworms in people too, though. That yeah. would be yeah. the, people, the things inside the people. That'd that be good. Be, That'd yeah. be super cool. useful. No, yeah. That would be such a curse to be able no, to like, see where every spider, every oh, cockroach, yeah, sure. every what if I what fly. If, I mean, now I want the the ability to see cancer in people. Everyone has cancer a little bit, but probably. like, but I'd know how much. That's a specificity of the power. <laughs> you just said I want to see cancer in people. It wouldn't have to be a specificity in the power. You would just see the cancer, and then at a certain point, you'd learn yeah. how much is too much. You'd go That's to medical fair. school if that was your. Magic power. Yeah. yeah. Saving people's life. Just like just like go to towns, have people line up, walk yeah. down the <laughs> line of people and be like, you need to go see the doctor. And then Sarah would be like, you have so many spiders inside of you. <laughs> 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 this isn't helpful or anything, but whoa. <laughs> and underneath your feet, three bees. <laughs> Uh, well, I think we all lose this episode. <laughs> yeah, we, we, everyone was at two. Now we're all at zero. <laughs> if you want to ask the science couch and be responsible for nonsense like this, you can tweet us your question using the hashtag AskSciShow. Thank you to That Danny Said and Marie Hitchler and everybody else who sent us your questions. Uh, so I guess what we've ended up with roughly is a three-way tie between Sari, Stefan, and I. Sam down one, possibly down at zero because of your weird squirrel tangent. But we all, like, yeah. I, ultimately, I derailed everything. Well. I'm yeah. sorry. Maybe the three of us should have to pay a Hank buck and then we just end tied in one oh, bee, yeah. happy bee family. We're all going to sacrifice our Hank buck and, and, and not take yours away. Oh, yeah. Ooh, so then we're, yes. all we're like a little hive, like you said. I yeah. see now. We're social yeah. bees. <laughs> we're social bees. Podcast socialism. I love it. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. First, you can leave us a review wherever you listen, like Rachel Metallo and Caitlin Zward did. It's very helpful, and it helps us know what you like about the show. Second, tweet us your favorite moment from this episode. 
Does it have something to do with Sari seeing spiders inside of you? Maybe. <laughs> and finally, if you want to show your love for tangents, you can just tell people about us. Thank you so much for joining us. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and WNYC Studios. It's produced by all of us and Caitlin Hoffmeister. Our art is by Hiroko Matsushima. And our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno. And we couldn't make any of this stuff without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. European honeybee stings contain a mix of pheromones that cause alarm and aggression, specifically a chemical called isopentyl acetate, which smells like artificial banana or pear. So they'll sting you. It'll smell a little bit like banana. And then a bunch of other bees will be like, time to sting you. And they all come and get you. Yeah. Oh, no.